0: Hello and welcome to the Nationals Business Weekly Podcast from the newsroom in Abu Dhabi. My name's Andy Scott and today I'm joined by Lucy Barnard, our property correspondent. We're going to be talking about a report that's come out from Cavendish Maxwell, which suggests that villa and apartment prices have fallen 4 to 6%. That's both in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. The bellwethers of UAE real estate so that's why I have Lucy in here to tell me exactly why that might have happened.
1: Hi, Andy. Um, so um, the reasons um, really seem to be that there's quite a lot of stock on the market, especially in Dubai, and there aren't that many. There isn't that much demand at the moment.
0: So I mean, obviously, supply and demand drives all economics. However, I, I know that uh, Abu Dhabi doesn't seem to have that much supply, so therefore. I presume the demand must be matching it.
1: That's very true. So um, in Abu Dhabi, what we are seeing um, a lot of really is um, the fact that a number of um, big companies have made uh, redundancies. So you get a lot of people who are going to be moving back to their home countries and when they go, obviously, um, they are going to be trying, if, if they own their own homes, they're going to be trying to sell. So that means a lot of stock coming onto the market.
0: So looking f- uh, in midterm, we should be seeing a softening of prices in Abu Dhabi?
1: That's what, that's what Cavendish Maxwell are saying. They're saying that they expect prices to fall um, a little bit. And in Dubai, where you've got a lot more stock coming on the market um, and prices are already falling, they could well fall a bit more.
0: Now, obviously, if you're a landlord, this isn't good news. But from the other side of the street, if you're uh, renting, it's got to be uh, good news for a lot of people here.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes, Um, rents are also, uh, Cavendish-Maxwell, I'll say, um, likely to fall um, a bit more in Abu Dhabi. We've already apparently seen them fall in Dubai. Now, the difference is... um, What a lot of property companies, uh, a lot of um, brokers uh, talk about when they get these figures is they talk about the asking rents and that doesn't do that much for people like you and me that might already be living in an apartment Mm -hmm. when it comes to our time to renew because those figures don't always get included. Um, So what a lot of the brokers are saying now is that those asking rents are already falling but now, after the summer, when you do see, um, and when we're likely to see a lot of people leaving um, in sort of September time when the school terms have finished. Is um, even for people like us, we might start to see a bit of a softening in rents in Abu Dhabi, maybe in places like Reem Island, um, which is where most of the new supply is coming online, or in the areas where you get a lot of um, sort of high-profile oil industry people living.
0: Right, I see. Now Dubai, of course, is a, a, a slightly different market. Definitely where I live, I live in a villa community, uh, n- not near the centre of town. But there is huge amounts of big, and I mean, five bedroom plus villas being built. And I really don't understand who they're being built for.
1: Ah, well, that's um, presumably you live sort of on the outskirts of Dubai. I do, yes. Yeah, Okay. So um, a couple of years ago, um, you would have noticed we wrote a lot of stories about um, the need for more villas. There's an awful lot. A few years ago, there was an awful lot of stock of apartments in Dubai, but not that many villas. And villas are less uh, risky for developers to build because you can build one and then stop. Um, whereas with an apartment block, you need to build the whole block of apartments before anyone can yeah, you, you finish that. the whole yeah, lot. Yeah. So uh, we're talking, you know, just after the financial crisis, um, developers suddenly decided that building villas was a good idea. So they started building an awful lot of villas in Dubai um, because that's where they thought the demand lay. And now a lot of um, brokers are saying, well, actually, that's probably a bit too many villas. And so you've got a large supply of villas coming onto the market because it takes a couple of years to build
0: them. Have we any idea just what sort of supply we're talking about coming onto the market?
1: Uh, Yes. Um, Quick
0: shuffle through your notes there. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, According to Cavendish Maxwell, um, 2,800 homes were completed in Dubai in the second quarter um, compared with 570 units in Abu Dhabi.
0: Right, I see. I'm not sure whether that's a lot or a little.
1: Um, well, if you compare it, more than 30,000 homes are scheduled to be completed in Dubai in the second half of this year, um, whereas you've just got 3,100 meant to be completed in the in Abu Dhabi during the second half of the year. So if you look at that, I mean, 30,000 and what was that, 2,800 completed, um, if you're talking the Dubai figures.
0: So we're still talking, there's a huge amount to come.
1: Yeah, I mean that's if they're actually all built.
0: That's a course, and uh, in the UAE, of course, I think it was two and a half years ago they brought in a lot of uh, mortgage um, uh, standards to actually uh, you have to you had to meet you had to put fifty percent deposit down or at least, uh, or depending on whether you're an Emirati or uh, an expat, uh, and there was also a four uh, percent transfer fee. Yeah. Uh, so uh, do you think the, there may be a case to have these these stipulations lessened or do you think that they, they, these mortgage um, uh, standards will still hold?
1: So the mortgage caps were sent, set up by the central bank and they dictate how much you can borrow. So you put down a deposit of X amount. And you can only borrow X amount more, um, and I think they're fairly standard, fair, a fairly good idea. Because before that, people were borrowing huge amounts of money and then running out of the country, and um, that didn't didn't work so well. Um, and I, I think that's um, now that that's been revised to a fairly safe level, I think that's probably a good idea to keep it in place. Um, the transfer fee is a sort of tax, really set up by um, the Dubai government. And um, that just means that you pay a, cert- a tiny proportion of the amount that um, went th- your purchase price when you buy a house. And again, I mean, I think that's quite low compared with buying property internationally. If you buy in, say, London or New York, you're always going to do- pay a tax on um on the amount of money you you buy. Stamp duty,
0: it's called in the UK. Well,
1: yeah, in the UK, it's called stamp duty. And I think, you know, it's um, fairly low in Dubai in comparison.
0: OK, well, I'm glad you mentioned London, because Uh uh, while you're here, I might as well talk about Brexit and the repercussions. Of course, if you uh, earn in dirhams here, which is pegged to the dollar, we've been um, enjoying the fall in sterling. But I'm not so sure whether the British, who may be buying, or had looked towards buying in the UAE, would still see the fall in sterling in such a, a rosy manner?
1: Well, it all depends where what you're looking at really, doesn't it? I mean, I was looking at Theresa May yesterday telling me that um, if I was struggling to be paying my mortgage, then she she was talking directly to me, so we've got to wait and see what she actually um, offers.
0: But do you think this, I mean, that the, there seems to be a cabinet in place now, do you think this will bring a uh, an element of calm to the property markets?
1: I don't think there's, we've seen what's happened to the property market yet. I mean, George Osborne, um, before the Brexit vote, said that he expected prices to fall by 18%. Just how he managed to come up with 18% and where he plucked that figure from, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. And also, as no one has ever left the European Union before, I'm not sure quite how he can come to such a, a figure um, on you know deciding how much property prices will fall and where that's going to be. Um, no Nobody really knows is the short answer. But obviously, if we're not part of Europe, if the economy slows, if a lot of um, jobs are lost in the UK, then you can expect that demand for property will fall. And so prices could, could well fall. Um, but on the other side of the coin, you could say that in London, um, the value of the pound has fallen, and so that makes property a lot cheaper for um, people who are buying in dollars, like people, you know, golf investors would be a prime example of that. So you could see a big flight, to um, a big um, influx. influx of um, investors from elsewhere in the world buying up prime central London property. What that means for people in Cardiff, in Glasgow, in Bristol, um Probably, you know, that they're less likely to be looking there, but I don't really know. It's the short answer.
0: <laughs> Lucy, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Following on, we have Mustafa al here, the business editor for The National. What did you make of that, Mustafa?
2: Well, I'd like to pick up on sort of the end of the conversation that you and, and Lucy were having there about the property markets, because our regular listener would know that you and I have been talking about whether... only the, one? Well, I I don't want to be too bullish about it, but maybe too. Um, But uh, our listener would know that you and I have been talking a lot about whether the property market was near or was at bottom. And Cavendish Maxwell's data follows a lot of data from analysts and brokers um, talking about price declines. And and perhaps, um, as insightful as it is, it isn't perhaps giving us any new drivers for the property market. And that it's got parallels in the last two days we've seen data coming out about crude markets we had OPEC's monthly report we had the iea yesterday uh, tony mccauley wrote on the iea in uh, today's paper um and their their vision for 2017 is of sort of supply and demand balancing out but currently there's a lot of um oversupply of crude oil stocks so almost we're we're kind of tracing bottom as well in in another big market which feeds into property and every other aspect of the economy and the question was always when you and i talked about this not so much are we near bottom have we hit bottom but how long are we going to stay there before things pick up and it's probably likely that we won't really know that until the dust has settled over the next few months
0: I I see what you're saying, but it does seem as though there's uh, a a series of pressures on the global economy, not just the oil price, but Brexit um, and the European Union being it it, it still hasn't sorted itself out with the the problems with the euro. And I do wonder just uh, whether we're going to be looking at new lows within the next couple of months and
2: and, and going forward. I have to be bullish at this point because... Nothing new is, is really out there. I mean, we've been dealing with, for example, China for a long time now and uncertainties there. We've been dealing with um, Brexit before and after, and currently we're, you know, we're seeing some of the consequences. And oil, obviously, has been, you know, that's been an issue since mid 2014 as it began to slide. So everything I think is, is priced in. The risk is to the upside, actually over the next 12 to 18 months of good news that we're not expecting to come. You know, we're all expecting doom and gloom at the moment. That seems to be our mindset. So it's almost like the normal course of events right now is to assume that, you know, everything is going is to hover around the lows that we're at. But what happens when good stuff happens?
0: Well, strangely, you mentioned that good stuff because... The Emirates NBD, which, well, it was the UAE's biggest bank up until our recent merger in Abu Dhabi, uh, it has a monthly economy tracker. It says that retail and tourism for the UAE is at a 10-month high. It says that, yeah, it is uh, it is actually keeping up a lot of, of uh, optimism uh, across uh, the UAE. However, employment isn't keeping up with that. So it seems... As though while we are getting increasing increased amount of visitors here, and uh, the the length of stay is is uh, is also lengthening, um, our tourist, our tourist industry isn't actually investing in itself.
2: Well, if we we look at Dubai I and mean, that data for June was was quite optimistic. One thing about Dubai which I've always felt has been a strength and a weakness has been how focused it is on visitors and tourists in terms of, of services and, and economy. And, to, and if you're a resident, it's frustrating because you feel like, well, they're not, they're not really catering directly to me. Everything that I get is kind of a byproduct of what is being put out there for the tourists. However, when you have fluxes in the economy, um, as we, we're going through now, where maybe jobs are diminishing or are not being created as fast as possible and residents are coming and going, and you're relying predominantly on visitor trade and tourism de- trade yeah. which you have more of control over because it's all about where you market right I mean if one one market is a bit weak let's say Europe or whatever because a currency moves um, you go somewhere else and you attract people yeah so they, that allows them to have some kind of, of impact at least in Dubai we're talking about well
0: yeah but it's the, the, the job you're saying Then I presume it's the job of Emirates and Etihad
2: yeah yeah but part, partly but it's also the job of Dubai tourism and and other tourism authorities to 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 put it in the minds of visitors because somewhere in the world someone's taking a holiday or someone's taking a business trip. There's a lot of them here. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Dubai specifically, more than any other emirate, more than any other state in the Gulf is geared up towards attracting the highest number of visitors at any one time. And the, you know, we talked about this a lot, about the impact on retail, impact on hotels, impact on all the other aspects of the economy but the data's not saying that less people are coming. No, it's
0: true. Uh, and funny enough, as, as you know, I wrote about it in the paper this morning. Accor Hotels, we've known about it for a long time, taking, um, buying FRHI, uh, which are Qatar Investment Authority and Kingdom Holdings um, wider group. Uh, they bought uh, that for 2.9 billion euros. Uh, yesterday it was inked. Uh, they're putting 65-star luxury and upscale hotels in the region they're backing it big style, I mean, uh, which uh, I, I asked them straight. I said, Is, isn't this, this the wrong time to be making this sort of acquisition? And they said, we're a global company. in 90 we've got hotels in 95 different countries. They said, one, w- one part of the world might be going through a problem, but another part isn't. They said, it's a yin and a yang. And you have to understand that if you're a global company, you, can, you invest for the future, not for today.
2: And, and uh, that, that's the message, really, is that if, if big international companies that have the resources to do the proper analysis, you know, not all of them will be correct. But you assume a vast majority will, you know, have backed up their decisions with some well, kind I of cold hard have. fact. Well, I mean, look, take the UK, for example. The flurry of acquisitions in the last few weeks, given that everyone said nothing would happen after Brexit. Yeah. I mean, we've seen uh, Odeon Cinemas. They've been trying to sell that for three years. And it went to Chinese investors this week. Poundland, w- which is everything goes for a pound, went for more than a pound, but it was still discounted at a price because of sterling. But that went too. So you, 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 there's always somebody there who's looking at sort of mid term, long term, and saying, are the fundamentals going to be there? And they're saying, we believe they are. Yeah. And then they're, t- and they're taking the, the move. I'm getting the, uh, the order from Deepthi, Deep, but I just want to mention one last thing,
0: and that is Pokemon Go. Oh. It's got the world talking and not only is it uh, the world talking, the world is out walking. Walking with their mobile phone app. If you I, have haven't to, I
2: have to believe it's a byproduct of the slowdown in the economy that everyone's <laughs> got the time to go out and, and hunt around for Pokemons.
0: <laughs> and this is, but do you know the average age twenty three years old of the people? A- who are
2: augmented reality has been around for a while. I mean, I, I remember trying to play basketball on my phone with augmented reality and it just not working. Maybe because I'm not very good at basketball. I think because your phone won't. Bounce. Maybe maybe they're very good. <laughs> um, but the the you know. you've you've got this craze now added what seven and a half billion dollars to Nintendo's market cap this week and so everyone's saying God it must be real you know because the markets are moving on it but also as I said because nobody's pricing in anything good so the minute something good happens overreaction
0: well you say an overreaction I think the fact the point is and this is what what I was going to say is that this is the shift from consoles finally to mobile gaming it's the first time that it's been a home run. It's knocking it out of the park in every country. It's been, open. in fact, not even in the countries it's opening. A lot of the countries it's not, not being in, it. I don't think it's in the UAE just yet, but my, I, I was told, I told my wife I wouldn't say this, but my son's got it on his phone. Uh, and, uh, and I was playing it this morning just, as a, just to see. As, uh, For research purposes, course. Yes. Uh, and it, it, it's compelling, it is. I mean, just to, just to have a, a Pokemon which I didn't know what a Pokemon was. It's a pocket monster, by the way. Did you know that? No,
2: yeah. I didn't. Yeah,
0: yeah. Didn't. Uh, uh, Pokemon in your in your room. in your It's in your lounge. You, can, you use it, it, uses the camera of your mobile. All of a sudden, there's something which wasn't there sitting there on your SETI, and you've got to try and catch it. Throwing things at it, throwing magic balls or something. I don't know what you throw at it. And, and then you catch it, and then you can train it, and it's. Uh, well, uh, believe it, try it. It's free. But it free, but made $7.5 billion for Nintendo. I think we'll leave it there, Mustafa.